Welcome to the Team FNC podcast, where we aim to improve your knowledge and understanding of nutrition. Okay, so today I'm joined by Shannon Beer, who's a fellow nutritionist, um, and we're going to be talking a lot about uh, behaviors and mindset when it comes to nutrition. And that's the reason I kind of got Shannon on here, and I wanted to reach out to her because at FNC, we're not just about kind of what to do, we're all about helping people understand the why and the how, which I know you've, you've spoken about quite recently on social media. Um, so Shannon, how about we start with just introducing yourself, how you got interested in nutrition, but more importantly, how you got interested in the behavior and mindset side of nutrition? Yeah, cool. Thank you for having me on. Um, so a little intro to myself is, as you say, I am a nutrition coach and I kind of coach people, move around a bit, travel a lot. And that's kind of what I like to do. And a lot of reading and coffee drinking, I think is probably a, a nice little summary <laughs> intro into me. Um, how I got into nutrition, I think it's just from personal interest. Um, I was studying law and I realized it wasn't really something that I wanted to go further into. And then I came across MNU and thought, well, that sounds like a great option um, just to kind of build my own knowledge on, because I just kind of like studying things <laughs> just yeah. anyway. And I was like, oh, nutrition's interesting. Let's learn more. And then I just began to help people. I was working in a CrossFit box and um, had some people wanting some nutrition advice and it all kind of went from there. So I feel like the coaching life kind of found me and how I got into behavior change. That was really when I started working with people because I had that nutrition knowledge. It was like, cool, here's what you have to do. And people still struggled to put that advice into action. And now that I've gone down that route of learning about motivation, behavior, psychology, even neuroscience, it all makes a lot of sense as to why having the information on what to do simply isn't enough. It's not always, you know, just a knowledge deficit, um, a reason why someone struggles to make a change. So really going down that route and understanding the different drives that people are under, how we form um, commitments to ourselves, that has really made the, the biggest difference from working with people. And I just think having like a diverse range of clients who are everyone's so different, everyone wants different things, has different lifestyles, really understanding the different influences that people are under has made a huge difference to actually helping people achieve results. Yeah, I think you're spot on there when it comes to it's not all about the knowledge deficit. You know, most people do have an understanding of what they need to be eating. Yeah, there is a bit of confusion out there about the exact approach and there's so many different diets and there is a bit of misinformation out there. But generally, a lot of people, especially if we're working with them and we've kind of covered the education side of things, they know what to do. But it's really the barrier is actually applying it and getting over those behaviors but also those those beliefs they have kind of within themselves mm, yeah i think the way that we um view ourselves and the way that we talk to ourselves is very important when it comes to making changes especially dealing with setbacks that kind of thing um so i think having someone there who understands the ins and outs of that can be very useful to be able to talk through you know what someone's going through so with making a change because we have these expectations in our heads that cool when i do this like this will happen i'll achieve these extreme results super quick and it will be easy it's like well that's not actually what happens in reality and that's completely normal so let's understand what's going on and help you overcome that and dealing with um setbacks i think is something that's quite huge and talking to yourself you know um kindly is something that I think we're going to get onto and, and that's very relevant when it comes to changing behaviors too. 
Yeah, I guess before we touch on like self-compassion kind of more in depth, I think the, the important things for people to understand is that, you know, failure isn't failure. We want to try and re- remove that word and the stigma to more feedback. Okay, so understanding like, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, slip-ups are part of the process. You're going to lapse and relapse at some point in your journey, but then to actually use it as a reflective tool and think about, okay, why did this happen and how can I try and prevent it from happening in this certain way again in the future? Yeah, yeah, totally. And I think from a coaching perspective, that's something that's very important to realise, like as a coach, like we've all had our different influences in getting into like fitness and nutrition. Like a lot of coaches enjoy fitness as a hobby and then they become a coach. That's completely different to someone who's now trying to change their lifestyle and they're not an athlete, you know, they just want to be able to, to eat well and they've got other commitments and stuff like that. Like having those expectations aligned with what a client is actually going through and what they want, I think it's really important from a coaching perspective. It's not it's not okay for us to expect everyone to just take your advice on board, put it into practice and, it, and it's all great. Um, Cause it doesn't quite work like that in practice. I think as long as, as if we know that, then that kind of changes the way that we go about our, our coaching as well. Yeah. I think like coaches and also clients need to understand, like I like to use the term resource capital. So we only have a certain amount of resource sources to allocate to things and, you know, when we, are, when we are invested and we really enjoy health and fitness, our kind of resources can carry over to the habit building side of things and the things that we want to develop when it comes to nutrition and, and training. But for someone, they might only have like, you know, 10% of their 100 kind of resources to allocate to habit building and, and working on their nutrition and, and their training. So we can't expect them and they can't expect themselves to try and master all these things at once or even be successful on the first attempt. So I think that's a, a really important thing to understand. But I think, yeah, the, the next thing to kind of dive into is, is self-compassion and, and why it's so important for our clients to, to be compassionate and, you know, I guess really give themselves, the, it's going to be help really beneficial and give themselves the best chance of long-term success to, to really care about themselves. Mm -hmm. so the unfortunate thing with self-compassion is that it sounds a bit like oh self-compassion and we're very much especially in the fitness industry we reward grit hard work determination and all that like drive and the grind is super sexy whereas actually being too critical on yourself isn't actually helpful when it comes to goal pursuits and understanding the difference between criticism and compassion and how that changes the way that you talk to yourself is very important. So you can have a compassionate mindset and still want to set these lofty goals and and strive for achievement. That's fine because compassion versus criticism that comes into action when you experience a setback how do you deal with setbacks and how do you talk to yourself if you don't achieve something that you set out to achieve for whatever reason and you sit there telling yourself i'm a terrible person i'm stupid why did i do this and really getting yourself down then that's going to get in the way of you giving things another go and as we've touched on like changing habits isn't easy and it's likely that you will face obstacles and potentially setbacks from time to time that should be expected and we should kind of plan for that and knowing how to talk to yourself in those circumstances recognizing that oh you know what i'm only human you know and just being mindful of your emotions so remembering that when you have a thought you don't have to attach yourself to that thought so if a thought pops up oh i'm such a silly person like why did i do this i failed 
remember that it's okay to have those thoughts. They're kind of normal and you don't have to listen to them. You don't have to take them to heart and you don't have to let them st uh, hold you back from giving things another go. So recognizing that we all slip up from time to time and that's completely normal. Just get back on the, the track that you were you know, heading towards. That's way more adaptive and way more likely to lead to success than telling yourself that you're crap. Um, because when we do this as well, when we tell ourselves that we're terrible people and we failed, um, not only does it make us feel terrible, but we can't really see past that. It's just like failure. And that's kind of it. Whereas if we take a step back, recognize that, okay, right now, um, I can see that I'm feeling upset about you know, something. That's just a signal that this goal is probably quite important to you. If you can take a step back, recognize that you're human and just look at things non-judgmentally, you can then maybe, oh, okay, what actually happened here? Why did I experience this setback? And giving yourself that space to um, not attach yourself to your negative emotions allows you to take a look at the situation. And then you can maybe pinpoint things that you would like to change next time. Like, oh, okay, I slipped up on my diet because I ate a bunch of high calorie food that I wasn't planning for. Why did I do that? Let me just have a little think. And then you may pinpoint things. Oh, actually, I went way too long without eating. Like this always happens when I'm super, super hungry and it's like well that's pretty understandable you know if you're starving you're going to want food and you're going to take whatever comes so allowing yourself to make those connections can only really happen with a compassionate mindset because if you're telling yourself you're a terrible person for eating those foods you're never going to look closer because it doesn't feel good to lean into that negative feeling so that's really where the compassionate mindset comes in and i think it's very um important to realize again as a coach that your clients may be prone if they're especially those like perfectionist types who set these high um, standards for themselves they may be prone to talking to themselves quite critically and we don't want to be adding on top of that as coaches so we need to be able to come in with that compassionate mindset and help people kind of adjust their their thought patterns and the way that they speak to themselves and that's actually going to lead to more success in the long run yeah yeah so we as coaches really need to be empathetic to our clients when they when they do slip up and, and when they're not showing compassion for themselves but how can people i guess if they know that they are not kind to themselves and they're not compassionate to themselves and they're really harsh critics of themselves how can they kind of learn to develop that skill mm -hmm. so one really useful thing to do is because it can be quite difficult again when we have these personal goals it can be very difficult when we've got high standards for ourselves to be able to switch to that compassionate mindset i think firstly acknowledging that um, it doesn't mean that you can't have high expectations you definitely can you can set these high goals like we're all um striving for certain levels of success like you can still set those goals it's more so about how you deal with setbacks and speaking to yourself um, and one exercise that you can do is what would I tell a friend who's in this situation because again when it comes to looking at yourself it's just like oh you're an idiot but you would never say that to your friend it would be like well yeah you just again to use that example of eating calorie dense food it could be like well you were probably pretty hungry at this point or maybe you weren't prepared like you know it's not the end of the world perhaps just you know prepare try and prepare um better next time or whatever it is you know like so just being 
how would you speak to a friend in this situation is one easy kind of exercise that you can run through and then apply that to yourself as well. So if you wouldn't tell your friends that they're stupid for doing this, why is it okay to talk to yourself like that? You know, um, there is a website, Kristin Neff is the, the kind of the researcher, the OG on the self-compassion research. And I think that the website is called selfcompassion.org. They have a number of different exercises that you can run through if you're someone who isn't naturally good at, you know, talking to yourself in this way. So just get into the habit of practicing that um, but a main one would just be like recognizing that you're only human and how would you talk to someone else in this situation and then applying that to yourself yeah I love that how would you kind of treat someone else or, or kind of talk to someone else or what would you say to someone else in this in a similar situation um, I've used that with a few clients recently and it kind of like they're like oh, I can't believe like I I do that to myself but even then, like, it's not going to work first go. It's still something that you need to practice and it's a skill that you've got to try and mm -hmm. develop. So um, I guess like we do tend to have this negative bias when it comes to our own lives. Like, you know, if 10 things happen in a day and nine of them are good and one of them is bad, we're going to tend to focus on, on the one bad thing. So we really want to try and shift it to a more positive mindset um, and focus on all the good things that do happen and the things that we do well. I guess the next thing we can try and talk about when it comes to, I guess, our negative bias is our body image as well. So I guess how does our negative self uh, reflection of a body image um, kind of prevent us to, I guess, moving towards our goals and I guess long-term success? Yeah, yeah. So I think body image is really important. And I kind of got into looking at the literature on body image when I was looking at dietary restraint. I was like, huh, pretty much all of my clients engage in dietary restraint. It would help if I had a deeper understanding of this. And I think I was looking at the difference between like flexible and rigid dietary restraint. And body image comes up a lot because it kind of goes hand in hand with dietary restraint because we manipulate our food intake in order to control our body composition. So it kind of makes a lot of sense. Um, but the interesting thing about body image is that it has very little to do with our physical bodies. It's way more about our perception of what we look like. So it's a multifaceted construct. Um, actually has like four different parts. So there's a perceptual component. So how do we perceive our bodies? Because sometimes like you could be super shredded and in the mirror, you just see um, in, you know, more fat than what you actually have. That's, that's a perceptual component. It also has an, um, a cognitive component. So our thoughts about our bodies. So what, what do you actually think about yourself when you're looking in the mirror? And then it has an effective component. So how do we feel about ourselves? So you may have the thought that, oh, I'm, I'm not lean enough. And then how does that make you feel? Crap. And then there's also the behavioral component. So what do you do when you're feeling crap about your body? And we have um, avoidance behaviors where you may even avoid social situations. You may avoid looking at yourself in the mirror. You may wear like baggy clothes to cover up your body. Um, or you have those checking behaviors where you're constantly looking at yourself in the mirror, pinching body fat that you may or may not have. Um, these are all all parts of body image so you can see that it actually has very little to do with changing your body you know a, a lot of people say i want to lose weight to be healthier um, and i also want to feel better about myself and i'm like cool we can totally do that we can manipulate body composition that's completely fine but we can also do some additional work alongside to actually feel better about ourselves too because sometimes achieving these body composition goals that you have set for yourself doesn't actually make you feel better 
Um, and we can't guarantee that simply changing your body is going to improve how you feel about yourself, given that body image is completely separate to our physical body composition. So I think it's really important to recognize that and to be able to address both if your goal is to feel better about yourself. Um, if you're in a good place already, then cool. Um, but I think it's definitely worth having that knowledge there about the difference and being able to put steps in place to improve our body image. Because if we have a poor body image, what that does is increases our risk of engaging in pathological eating behaviors. So you may, um, you know, really struggle with your food intake, feeling restricted, not being able to go out and socialize for fear of fat gain. That's usually what a lot of clients um, suffer with. And also just to feel better about yourself as a person, you know, knowing that your body is a part of you, that's great, but it's not the be all and end all. And there's more to you than simply how you look. I think that's something that's quite difficult, a difficult mindset to adopt. And I think having a positive body image paradoxically actually allows you to have the confidence to so for example if it, we're talking about building a physique um, ideally there will be periods of going into a calorie surplus in order to, to grow muscle and a lot of people aren't comfortable with the thought that they may gain fat because they don't want to 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 blow up you know that's kind of the terminology that a, a client may use if you're quite confident in yourself you have a good body image that's actually going to allow you to go through those phases where you have to gain a bit of body fat for, you know, optimal body composition outcomes in the long run. And that's a, a huge block that a lot of people struggle with is the fall of gaining fat. And they don't want, even though they want to grow muscle, they don't want to go into a calorie surplus or they even struggle with maintenance. I have a lot of clients who um, are very good at dieting. They know what to do and they, in, they enjoy dieting, but they're not very good at living their lives when they're not dieting it's like we don't want to be dieting all of our lives you know yeah. um ideally we want to achieve these body composition goals and then maintain them have a nice life and kind of with the nutrition stress-free as possible and if you're so scared of gaining fat because you've got a poor body image that's really going to hold you back from having a more adaptive um eating you know eating behaviors like going on holiday enjoying your food with your friends socializing and um, even moving away from macro tracking if that's something you want to do all of that becomes so much easier when your self-worth isn't tied to to how lean you are um especially when people feel like if they they go to maintenance or if they pay less attention to the, the nutrition a lot of clients feel like they're going to blow up and that's you know we we know that we've got these good habits in place it's more so the fear that's holding us back from doing so so working on body image alongside training and nutrition i think can be very very helpful for achieving that kind of lifestyle that most people tend to tend to want in the end yeah um before we touch on some activities to try and improve your body image i think as a coach, it's, it's important for us to explain to your clients why certain things are important as well. So why maintenance phase is important for long-term success. If you want to build some muscle, why it's important to be in, in a surplus and maybe you're going to put on some body fat as well, um, rather than just saying, here, do this. You know, I love the quote from um, the man search meaning. It's like a man with any, a man with a strong why can bear almost any how. So if we can really attach the purpose to sit to things hopefully people can understand why it's important and then if we then even further attach it to their goals it's going to be far more beneficial for that client um, but then when it comes to body image how can we try and get someone to improve their their body image yeah so it kind of depends on 
I mean, I'd say there's kind of like a scale on how attached people may be to their their body image, right? So you've got some people who are like, yeah, I just, you know, I could probably feel a little bit better day to day. Um, they could potentially focus on things like body appreciation, so and like functionality appreciation. So, say setting some strength goals in the gym is a really great way to move about from thinking about how you look to thinking about how you perform day to day. Like, what does your body actually do for you? This doesn't have to just be in the gym, but obviously, it's probably quite relevant to, to most people listening. But even like you know, going for a walk and, and appreciating the fact that you've got a body that allows you to live this kind of life that. That you want you know like we wouldn't be here without a, a vessel to be in and that again sounds a little bit up in the air but if we can really appreciate our body for what it does for us um that can help you to detach yourself from simply just thinking about how you look also reducing the importance of your body image in your life so like what else have you got going on for you as a person like cool we all want to look sexy like that's totally fine but if you've got all your hopes and dreams pinned on your body that's when it becomes problematic so i, I want to make that distinction as well like it's totally fine to have pride in your appearance and um, that's fairly benign it's just when it becomes like intrinsically important to who you are as a person that it can become problematic too so what else have you got going for you you know um are you stuck Studying, what do you do for work what do your friends like about you and I think again similar to how we can think about self-compassion from how we would talk to a friend I think um, we can similarly think about our body image like what do you actually like about your friends do you choose your friends based on how they look like do you really care if your friend is like super shredded or whatever like does that really matter does that impact your relationship at all um, if no, it's like, what do you actually like about your friends? You know, are you choosing them because they're nice people, they're funny, they're generous, they're great people to be around? Perhaps that's what your friends like about you as well. So I think when it comes to thinking about our own good qualities, it can be very hard to look at ourselves in a positive light if you're um, used to, you know, being quite negative towards yourself. So again, turn it on your friends. Like, what do you like about your friends? Do you share those similar qualities? You know, um, perhaps there's things that you want to work on yourself. That oh, I could be um, a, a, a more generous person. Maybe I can make more time for people. Um, so just like broadening your different domains of self-worth for example so another thing if you're if this has been something that you struggled with for a while it can be really helpful to understand like the origins of your poor body image because we're under a number of influences at any given moment and even things like our interpersonal relationships with our family and our friends like growing up can play a role in how we feel about ourselves um, media exposure is a huge one if you're just following like if your social media feed is literally just super shredded people uh, or super buff people super fit people and you're constantly comparing yourselves to them that's probably not helpful so maybe like diversifying your social media feed may help to stop those comparisons um, those are a, a few tips it's also worth addressing those specific thoughts because it's the thoughts ultimately that influence how we feel about ourselves so it's it's not the fact like your your body look doesn't look good you know it you it's more so what you tell yourselves about your body so trying to pinpoint those specific thoughts that you're having is really important and then reframing those thoughts so it could be that you've woken up a bit bloated oh i, I feel shit because i'm so fat like these are literally yeah. the thoughts that people have about themselves if you can reframe that like okay it's just a bit of bloat it'll go down 
you know, I've got other things about myself. I would just make sure I'm wearing comfortable clothes today and then getting on with the day. Like that's going to be far more adaptive than really like having that negative thought in place. Uh, Another thing is I mentioned that body image has that behavioral component. So checking your body and pinching areas of fat or looking at yourself in the mirror, those actions actually reinforce the idea that how you look is important. So the more you do those kinds of things, the more you're engaging in that belief that it's important for me to, to look a certain way. So if that's something that you do a lot, it can be really helpful to kind of monitor those behaviors and try and reduce the, the frequency of checking yourself um, or pinching those areas of, of fat. And if you notice yourself doing it, try and stop yourself in that moment being like, oh, okay, like what is this doing for me? Like, what am I trying to check here? And why is this actually important? If you can reduce those behaviors, that's probably gonna help you feel better in the long run as well. But yeah, I'd say like the main things really that seem quite helpful for people is just thinking about about what else you've got going on because we can totally as I say enjoy how we look like it's about keeping the upsides that comes with feeling nice but cutting the downside of like letting that get in the way of other things that are important to you yeah I think yeah detaching your self-worth from like the number on the scale or how you look is really important I love that one about you know why why do you like your friends and why are they in your friendship group is not because of how they look uh, mm-hmm. that's that's an awesome one I haven't heard that before I also like the is a, a one that I've heard before is basically every time you you kind of walk somewhere and you look at yourself in the mirror say something positive about how you look and it's like that thing you were saying before about focus on what you what you can do and what else you have going for yourself but I think when it comes to being positive and having gratitude the important thing is that you have to tr- you have to believe it uh, there's no use kind yeah, of saying yeah. there's no use saying oh yeah I look good today it's like you have to believe what you say about yourself and, and the story that you tell that you tell yourself because you know the reason that you probably believe that you're not worth it is because in your head you believe it so you keep saying it to yourself and it's like a self-fulfilling pro- prophecy so what we're going to try and do is make sure that we believe the new narratives that we are telling ourselves as well yeah and the thing that i would add to that as well is that it's not always just about being positive like it's perfectly okay to wake up and not feel good about yourself for one day yeah. you know like yeah. oh i'm a bit bloated like you don't need to stand there in the mirror telling yourself that you're beautiful when you don't feel it because you're not going to believe it and having negative emotions is totally normal so i think we just need to get better at being able to tolerate those so what do you do on a day that you wake up when you don't feel so great like simply telling yourself to feel better isn't going to work like can you still go about your day even when you don't feel so great i think that's the the really important skill to build is that one of distress tolerance and just being able to accept that you're not going to feel 100 every single day and that's fine that's normal that doesn't have to stop you from doing you know whatever you want to do um so that's something to add as well like yeah like being positive when you can is really great but if you don't believe it that it's not going to help and just accepting those negative emotions that come that's fine because they'll, they'll pass as well you know yeah it's all part of the process like we were saying before when it comes to slip ups and and you know we're like not failures or their feedback negative emotions are all part of it mm-hmm. yeah totally so we know we just need to be able to expect that realize that it's normal and then be able to get on with our days you know even in spite of not feeling 100 percent yeah, exactly. So I think a pretty common theme that we have here is we're talking about physical health, but we're more talking about like our emotional health and our mindset. And that kind of comes into our last point we want to cover, which is our flourishing health. And it's something that I've heard you talk about before and I really, really like it. So let's talk about what flourishing health is. Yeah. So 
again, I have a lot of clients like, oh, I want to improve my health. I'm like, okay, so what does that really mean? When we, you know, think about it, what does health look like? What, what does it, you know, how can we have a conceptual framework to work with if we're going to help someone improve their health? So I came across the concept of flourishing health in a couple of papers by a guy called Vanderbilt. I think he did one in 2017, one in 2019 on, on the promotion of human flourishing. And I really liked that idea. So I was like, why are we even bothering to improve our nutrition, our, our health in the first place? Surely it's uh, for most people in order to live a more um, prosperous life. And that's kind of what flourish means is to grow and prosper across like different domains of life. So flourishing health is far more expansive than just simply thinking about our physical health. It's about um, our physical and psychological health, our social relationships. He even includes things like character and virtue, happiness and life satisfaction, and having the financial and material means to secure those domains of health. Like all of that is important for a person. Oh, and social relationships as well. I was like, this makes a lot of sense, right? Like, yeah, we want to be physically fit, but we also want to have great people in our lives. You know, we want to have a sense of purpose, which could come down to a career that's meaningful to you this is something that is kind of universally important to most people so i think it's very helpful to have that framework in mind when working with someone it's like cool they've got career commitments they've got family commitments how does my advice when it comes to training and nutrition impact a person's ability to flourish how does it set them up for that you know we've spoken about some kind of mindset um, aspects on self-compassion and things like that if someone could be compassionate towards themselves in terms of their nutrition um, how can they use that in other domains of their life as well so I like to think of like my role as facilitating someone's ability to kind of flourish across all these other things because again training and nutrition is super important it's it's I, I honestly think like the health is kind of the cornerstone of living a great life because there's so many skills that we develop when it comes to these things that we can apply across other domains and that's kind of what I want for the people that I work with you know is to have a skill set that they that will allow them to flourish and that really does come down to not only getting your training and nutrition in check but also the kind of mindset aspect I think that's really what's going to allow someone to live a, a, a fuller and more fulfilling life um, so definitely being aware of the emotional side of things, psychological side of things, and other things that are important, like even to physical health, like social relations are important to physical health, like just understanding the body, how the brain and the, the body, um, there's a bi-directional relationship. And then we've also got the environment that we interact with. And we've got like micro and macro environments, you know, different social circles, like all of this is what impacts a person. So the more that we can understand that, the more that that will inform our training and nutrition advice and our coaching practice and that's what's going to um, really allow someone to live that kind of really fulfilling and, and flourishing lifestyle. Yeah, I think it's important to understand that we have all these different, like, I guess you could call them health buckets and we want to, we <laughs> want to try and fill them all equally uh, or, or as equal as possible. And we can't just focus purely on, I guess, like nutrition and training as one bucket. There are other, other, other things we need to factor in when we're talking to our clients or even when people are setting their own goals or or habits and behaviors to be working on. Um, and like you said before, it's, it's great that we can help people 
develop these skills that they can transfer into other areas. Like I was talking about that book before the podcast range um, about, you know, how we can kind of adapt things in different careers and different fields of life um, and then apply them to different areas. And sometimes some of the most amazing, I guess, inventions have come from people that aren't actually specialists in one field. They've had like this kind of lateral way of thinking. Um, so if we can kind of help people and yeah, give them even not only the skills, but also the confidence if they've been successful in one thing with health and nutrition that they can then apply to other areas to make them more healthy in, or get more flourishing, um, I guess you could call it, in other areas of their health too. Yeah, Tracy, I think it's so important, like just not to take that really myopic view and just focusing on like numbers, calories, macros. It's like, oh, this is a person who has a life yeah. <laughs> that I'm trying to help them enhance so just like keeping all these as you say like all these different health buckets in mind um, and knowing that your advice is going to impact the way that someone goes about their life so that's really important to just remember that and everything that that is important to a person you know again like training and nutrition is great and we can really focus on that but what skills are we developing here and what does that mean for the way that someone's going to go about their life I just like taking that broader view um, and I feel like yeah like just encouraging that as well i think sometimes for some people that i've worked with that that idea that you know you can go out and eat with your friends that's fine you don't have to track everything like that's fine too so oh i didn't realize like you know this is actually a part of being healthy and again that's why i'm so heavy on the way that we talk to ourselves because again our um the way that we perceive ourselves and the the way that we talk to ourselves is very important for our physical social mental health like everything and again you mentioned that why it's body image important well, again, I've had people who have been anxious to go to social situations and understanding how important to our health it is to have those um, strong connections to other people so if we can improve this one thing and that's going to allow you to connect with others and also build your confidence like you're going to have a, a, a far healthier um, outcome and that's what I'm doing at the end of the day is trying to enhance your health so I think yeah just taking that broader um, view on things is really really important yeah, I think it's really important for, for coaches to understand the power they have um, mm. in, in their role of, of, of trying to help people. And it's, it's far more than just fat loss or, or trying to look good. There is so many, there is so much more to the puzzle. So we need to, we need to be kind of adept with the skills to help our clients in these ways. And it's not just about saying, Here, here's what you got to eat because there's so much more to the puzzle. Um, and I think that's even more important that people need to be getting advice from people that are qualified. And but there's, a, there's a lot of like people throwing advice out there on social media that one is confusing, but also they're, they're almost, like, um, almost like dictators in a sense. They're not taking these things into account and they're, they're just not helping people when we're looking at the big picture and all facets of health. Yeah, yeah, 100% agreement with that, unfortunately. So, yeah, so, all right, so I thought we might wrap up with a couple of rapid-fire questions. Um, so you mentioned before that you love reading books and drinking coffee, so let's go with the book side of things. So do you have a book recommendation? Let's go with uh, one for coaches and one for clients. Oh, okay, so... One for coaches, again, we touched on range. Um, I think it's important to, when it comes to thinking about coaching, to also broaden your, the range of books that you're reading because um, I don't think have just simply understanding nutrition is enough. But I think that even reading outside of training and nutrition, you will come across concepts that you can carry over into 
your practice and one really practical book that i would recommend would be the one on motivational interviewing because as we said we've, we've mentioned that the way that you talk to someone's really important so if you really want to um focus on like your communication skills and facilitating change rather than dictating to someone the motivational interviewing books by uh, miller and rolnick would be a really good one but i also recommend books like behave by sapolsky just to understand like the biology of human beings and understanding again just how complex behavior is that's something that i'm really interested in so yeah potentially those are a couple of places to start um and then one for clients oh that's a tough one because it kind of depends so if you want to work on your body image because we've spoken about that thomas cash has a body image workbook that is really worth looking into it's an eight-step program that will take someone through kind of the whole process of understanding where your body images come from and then the practical steps that you can put in place to work on that there's also one on self-compassion as well i forget the the title of it but there's a self-compassion workbook it may be by Kristin neff i'd imagine um that we can put it in the show notes or something like that because those two are very practical um workbooks that people can work through if they feel like they could do with improving um the way they feel about themselves and the way that they talk to themselves yeah, I really agree with the, uh, the mention about the coaches, like reading more than just nutrition books. Like we said at the start, people, most people know what they need to be eating um, to some extent. So if we can try and get the message across in a different way and analogies are, are such a way, such a good way to do that. I think that's why people like James Smith are really, uh, really mm. popular in getting a message across because he, he's so good at using analogies. But even that book, again, that I read range, it talks about how useful analogies are. So uh, it's good. I'll definitely be checking those out as well. Um, what is your favorite indulgence? Oh, that depends where I am in the world. Like yeah. any meal out. I'm, <laughs> I really like, I'm, so I'm such a foodie and I really like trying different cuisines. That's kind of one of my favorite parts of, of travel. Oh, just recently, um, so I'm in Krakow at the moment and the food here is super cheap. So I went to like this Michelin star restaurant and it was like 11 pounds for a two course meal. <laughs> and um, what did I have? So again, I, I will eat anything and try anything once. The only thing I don't like is natto or natto or whatever. Have you been to Japan? Like it's no. like this disgusting anyway um so all oh, my one of my indulgences would be ramen i love a good bowl of ramen yeah. um but yeah recently one of the best meals that i had was it was a fish and blueberry gazpacho with um blueberry like toast or something like that that was my starter and then i had beef tongue with some kind of fruity sauce and a wasabi puree um, mashed potato thing on the side. It was really good. So as I say, any flavors, like I would just try anything to be yeah, honest. Yeah, nice. What's the, <laughs> what's the weirdest animal you've eaten? I've had raw chicken, which is probably a bit weird. I had chicken sashimi in Japan. I was a Japanese guy and I was like, well, if that's what they do, <laughs> that's what they do. Um, and probably, oh, I went to a yakiniku restaurant so that it's literally just like different parts of the cow. <laughs> so yeah. I, I wouldn't even, couldn't even tell you <laughs> what, what I ate. I don't even know sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Raw, raw chicken. That's crazy. Beef um, cheeks, beef tongue. Yeah, I like, love beef cheeks. My, girl, my girlfriend's mum makes really good beef cheeks. And I even went oh, to yeah. a, a Mexican place the other day and got a beef cheek taco. It was so good. Um, good. I've had a whale and shark and horse when I was in Iceland. Oh, nice. And I felt pretty bad about the whale and the shark, but they just taste, they both tasted really good. 
I think I've had shark before. Yeah, I've had pigeon was... as well, which is I guess is quite British. I've had the um what's the the puffin? I've had that one. And a lot of reindeer actually in Norway and Iceland. Oh really? Yeah. yeah. So uh do you have a favorite quote? Go for it. What's your favorite quote? No, do you have a favorite quote? Oh, do I? Um oh. oh, I have a there's loads that I come across all the time and I write them down, but um off the top of my head I can't actually think of anything. Let me see, I've probably screenshotted one that I've saved to my phone. So I do that as well. Um when I read books and stuff. Yeah. Let's have a look at my screenshots. In the meantime, I'll let you know one of my favorites at the moment is um, every system is perfectly designed to get the results that it currently gets. Something like along, along the lines of that. So then it really, if you want to change your results, you've got to change your systems. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. One that I came across recently, which I really like, um, it's super nerdy, is one by uh, Theodore Roosevelt. And it's, I am everything that I am part of everything that I have read because I've been reading a lot more recently. And I think it's just such an important habit to have in place because what you're doing when you're reading a book is essentially like you're taking an insight into someone's like expertise. Like people spend, you know, if you're reading like good books, people um, spend a lot of time learning about specific topics and we literally get like the most important parts. And the point of reading is to change something that you do in your life, right? So. I found that the more that I've read recently, um, the more that I can just like make different connections between different ideas. And it really does change the, the way that I view the world, the way that I understand people um, and things like that. So I think that's quite a, an appropriate quote for me right now is, yeah, I am part of everything that I've read. Just thinking about what, Again, I, again, I'm really interested in um, neuroscience and the way that we acquire knowledge and the way that we learn. And I think reading is an important skill for that, but also that the more that you learn, the more that you can learn as well, if that yeah. makes sense. Love it. Um, so I think that's just like something that I'm really noticing come into effect recently. And it's just like a really cool experience to be like, oh yeah, I can actually see all these different connections and you'll notice that similar kind of ideas come up in different contexts um so yeah maybe that's a, a pretty nerdy kind of quote ah. but i think that's something that's quite um really interesting to me at the moment yeah i like it and anyone out there who doesn't really enjoy reading at the moment i like this other quote it's read books you love until you love reading oh yeah yeah, yeah. that's a good one yeah and that's like i didn't really like reading until i can maybe two years ago and then i just like like I just said, I started reading books I really liked and then it just got me into the habit. And then now I read like a book in the morning, book in the evening, listen to audiobooks, And I just, yeah, love it. Yeah. Yeah. Cause that's the thing is that like when you read a good book, it will change something about the way that you think or the way that you behave. And I think that's ultimately like what we're trying to achieve at the end of the day. Yeah, for sure. Or it'll change how I do something in a consult or how I work with a client. And yeah, I love it. It always gives me these new skills. Mm, yeah. Totally. Um, I know you're traveling, but are you currently watching any series on Netflix or streaming anything? No, I'm the most boring person in the world. I don't like, if I'm not working or like traveling, I'll be reading. So it's like, I read, I, I travel and like do things. Um, but yeah, I don't actually watch anything. Yeah. I, I sometimes watch lectures on YouTube. <laughs> I've actually got, 
I've got access to um, Steven Pinker's lectures at Harvard on like rationality. So that's yeah. what I'm watching at the moment. <laughs> so I guess that's the answer to your next question. The next question, which is your favorite way to unwind. <laughs> yeah, it would probably be just be to read a book, to be honest. Or what I, yeah, what I've been doing recently, because again, Krakow's so cheap, is I've been taking myself to the wine bars, nice. getting a glass of wine and reading a book. And it's been so nice. <laughs> Awesome. Maybe I should go to uh, Poland next instead of Iceland because the beers in Iceland are so expensive. Are they? Yeah. No, I totally recommend um, Poland. Oh, another thing that I like to do to unwind is hike. So I really like going out into like really expansive um, landscapes and and, like nature and just like, because you just feel really, really small when you're looking out there standing at like the top of a mountain and just looking at the um, landscape there. Um, Yeah, that's probably a really nice way to unwind actually. Yeah. Do you get heaps of ideas for content when you're like hiking and don't have Can any tech? Do, do you get heaps of ideas for content or like posts or when you're, when you're hiking? Yeah. Yeah. Like, um, I definitely find, I find that I get a lot of ideas when I'm walking, um, for sure. Mm. I think just having that, like getting into that diffused kind of mode of thinking is really helpful for creativity and then formulating ideas. So yeah, like 100%. Um, it's just nice to take a step back from everything that you're doing and then um, all these ideas yeah come rushing in you're like oh cool let me just make a note of that (laughs) yeah yeah awesome I reckon I've had some of my best ideas for posts and webinars when I've been like so far removed from technology and even like climbing Mount Batu in in Bali Um, I had a Mm -hmm. really really good one I was like I wish I had something I could write things down but I had to then just keep saying it to myself so I remembered it yeah yeah, I've done that before Uh, all right two more so what is one nutrition myth that you wish would die oh man there's probably um many that I could could think of um probably or I was gonna say nutrition I guess this is still a nutrition myth is that you um have to track macros to get results so it's not a that that's an expectation that I find a lot of people have when they come to me and I'm totally I have no problem with macro tracking whatsoever I just find that it's not the most appropriate approach for quite a few number of people um so maybe that one that is that you don't have to um, track in order to get results. So definitely other approaches that are really worth looking into um, and could be quite, yeah, valuable. Yeah, there's so many methods and, and tools we can use and it's got to suit the client. Like, yeah, some people love numbers and love data and love tracking. That's good. Like, great, that will work for them. But some people, it doesn't work for them. So, yeah, you, you don't have to try and fit to an approach that doesn't suit your lifestyle. Yeah, yeah. Uh, even personality as well. Like, I've been in consults lately, like before, before, like when I first work with the clients, like, okay, what are your strengths? What are your values? How, how can we use that to then match the approach we're going to use? Yeah. Yeah. I think it's really important to, to think about that as well. And it's just going to make everyone happier and more successful in the end. Yeah, for sure. Uh, last one. What is one message you, you think everyone needs to hear? Mm, maybe just because we've been speaking to this, um, would be and just because i made a post about it recently so it's on the top of my mind is that these negative emotions and setbacks and things like that are a part of life they're like completely normal um and it's okay to have those moments we just need to know how to get on with with life you know even in spite of that so something that i think has been really useful is um i did acceptance and commitment therapy training under um, russ harris through psychwire and um they 
again, speak about psychological flexibility, which is being able to take committed action. That's what the, the C stands for in um, ACT, acceptance and commitment therapy. So you accept the, the situation where you are currently, face the situation um, with a, that mindful attitude, you know, non-judgmental awareness, and then be able to take committed action, even when you're not feeling so great. I think that's really important to understand that distress tolerance is a skill that we can build. Um, and, you know, it, it, I guess it's in line with the kind of toxic positivity idea is that not every day needs to be 100% and that's fine. That's normal. Um, and yeah, maybe that's again, just because I, I think accepting those setbacks, negative emotions from time to time, is just a part of life. And uh, if you can do that, you're likely to probably achieve more in the end. Yeah. Great. Love that one. All right. Let's finish on that. And where can people find you and what's coming up for you? Awesome. So I'm probably most active on Instagram. So that's um, at Shannon Beer underscore. And I'm working at the moment and um, collaborating with Gabrielle Fondaro and Dan Feldman, both based in the US on our comprehensive coaching framework. So we do have some webinars coming up um, this weekend actually and we're running some advanced sessions in November and that's kind of touching on basically what we've spoken about is the behavior change side of coaching how uh, our training and nutrition knowledge is probably good enough as it is and we actually need to work on understanding our clients and what motivates them and how to actually achieve behavior change in a way that's beneficial and adaptive um, so that's what we're going into with the webinar series and the advanced coaching calls with some like case studies um, so that's probably like my main thing. I've also got some studies starting up in September as well. So I need to, to get on top of that. Yeah. Um, and lots of travel off to Vienna tomorrow. So yeah, I'm looking forward to, to next month. Awesome. Well, have fun with your travels. Good luck with the webinars. Um, and I'm sure we'll get you back on the show in the future because I absolutely love talking about mindset and behavior change. Uh, and I think we've got a lot kind of in common when it comes to that. So yeah, thanks again. And we'll put all the links to um, everything we've mentioned in the show notes and those books as, as well. Yeah. Awesome. And yeah, thank you for having me on. All right, thank you.